0: Hey there. I'm Robert Fleming. I'm one of the partners in the Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm of Fleming and Curdy, PLC. You're listening to Elder Law Issues with me and my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, welcome back.
1: Hey, Robert. Uh,
0: you know, Elizabeth, I'm wondering if you if you have if you personally have a safe deposit box at a local bank in Tucson.
1: You know what, Robert? I do not. And the folks that I meet with, I would say. Probably a third of them do have safety deposit boxes. Um, Many of them can't remember what's in the safety deposit box. But when it comes to administration and somebody becomes incapacitated and dies and or dies, um, the issue of the safety deposit box can be a real headache.
0: It can. And you know I, know, I noticed I said safe deposit and you said safety deposit. What's the difference between the two?
1: I actually have no
0: idea. I think there is no difference and I think it's just a convention for which one you use. I'm going to keep saying safe deposit uh, and I'm not, I'm not dissing you for saying safety deposit. I'm totally okay with you using that phrase. Some, one of our listeners maybe can look it up, figure out the etymology and, and send us an, an email about which one of us is right or maybe we're both right.
1: I'm okay with that, Robert.
0: I uh, also don't own a safe deposit box, though I have in history, but I closed them out. One of the things that I've noticed recently, and and we've talked about this in the office, is that um, when I have to deal with a client or a deceased uh, person's safe deposit box, pretty often, maybe almost every time, the box has moved from the bank where it was to a new location, and that usually means that a bank branch was closed or the branch moved to a smaller space, and the safe deposit box set up in that branch got physically loaded on a truck and hauled to one central bank uh, branch somewhere in town, maybe not just one, maybe there are three of a, of a large uh, collection of banks. That uh, that still have safe deposit boxes, but they're not necessarily at your local branch anymore. And and I and I've talked to the bank managers in those cases, and they say, yeah, look around. Most of these are empty. If you have to drill a box open, which is why I'm usually in the in the safe deposit room, uh, we no longer even replace the lock because we don't have any use for all these empty safe deposit boxes.
1: And Robert, you know, keeping track of the key making a decision about who to put on the name on the box, if you're going to have somebody else who has access, it all raises questions around, all right, right, we've if you've got something of value, so let's just say you have your beloved grandfather's old Rolex in there, and let's say you've got your birth certificate, and maybe... The death certificate of a, a sibling or a child and maybe the deed to your house I mean that's actually a very traditional mix of things that we find in these okay well you die and let's just say you've put your son's name on the box and he's you did that because he's the successor trustee do you have a sense about whether or not you've conveyed the property in the in the box to your trust or Have you conveyed it to him personally?
0: Yeah, that's an open question. And it doesn't get resolved because usually all that's in there is that pocket watch or or wrist watch and a couple of pieces of paper. The paper doesn't have any intrinsic value. And the watch, everybody is probably going to agree about who ought to get it anyway or maybe it turns out not to be worth very much. Actually, usually when I've been involved in opening a safe deposit box, the pocket it's a pocket watch not a wristwatch and it's broken and uh, and nobody wants a pocket watch and they certainly don't want a broken pocket watch. I don't mean to say nobody because I personally have a pocket watch and and I would be delighted to have inherited one from my parents or grandparents but uh, but most people don't want that kind of stuff and most people don't keep anything of value in their safe deposit box. Your question though, Elizabeth, is suppose that I put my trust's name even on the box. I changed the owner of the box from Robert Fleming to the Fleming Family Trust. Has has have I now put that in the trust? And instead of a broken pocket watch and some old papers, maybe I have a bunch of gold bars in there. Do those gold bars now belong to the trust?
1: Well, Robert, have you I'll go back to the original question, have you actually conveyed the property to the trust, or is this personal property that we may make reference to in your trust and your pour over will may say is property of your trust. It gets into kind of a complex series of questions thinking about how things are owned. I will also say it depends on the paperwork with the bank.
0: Absolutely. And in a general way, there's a requirement in the law of, of, of a transfer of property. Uh, to, To be effective, there has to be delivery of the property. So if, let's say, I create the Fleming Family Trust and you, Elizabeth, can be the trustee of the Fleming Family Trust, and I go to the safe deposit box to the bank and I change the name to the Fleming Family Trust, well, I've probably conveyed it because I delivered it to myself and I was there for both sides of that transaction. I'm the current trustee. But what if I put your name on as, uh, as the successor trustee? I don't say successor trustee because there's not enough room on the card. I just say Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Elizabeth, if you would shorten your name, I could fit trustee on after it. But, um, but I just put your name on. Have I now conveyed that to you individually or have I conveyed it to the trust? And I think I can make an argument that I haven't done a thing because I haven't actually delivered the property to you in either your individual or your trust capacity.
1: Well, Robert, and then we can introduce the question around the key. What happens if you didn't give me a key but you said, Elizabeth, whenever you need the key, it's under my left-hand drawer and on the big desk in my office? I mean, there there are lots of these questions, but delivery is literally a physical act, giving somebody something. We can talk about the hypotheticals or the abstract notion of, hey, if I tell you where the key is, am I actually delivering the key? Well, if you deliver the key to me, is that necessarily access to the box? This is a good law school question,
0: Robert. It is. And on top of all that, when I signed my trust, I signed a transfer of all of my personal property, all of my tangible personal property, my household furnishings, my car, I signed a single document that transferred all that into the trust. Did that include the gold bars in the safe deposit box? I think it did. And so by putting your name on, I've now just complicated the question. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I just wish I hadn't had a safe deposit box is really what it boils down to.
1: Well, I can tell you, Robert, that as clients of ours age, it does get harder to run back and forth to the supermarket, to the bank, to the dry cleaner. Um, I tell people, you know, wanting to simplify your life is a good thing. If you're able to to take one of the things that you've thought about um, that involves driving or errands and kind of take it off the to-do list, that might be actually a wonderful simplification in your life. And as you mentioned, these safety deposit boxes have a way of moving around to different branches. And a lot of times people may say, I have a safe safe deposit box, but I don't quite know which branch it's at.
0: Because it moved.
1: Correct. And so all I'll say for folks listening today is if you are thinking about your safe deposit box and what may be in there, first of all, it's a very good idea to make sure that there are things in there. And if you do, and if something includes something like a deed, well, these days, Robert, we can gain access to copies of deeds in the recorder's office pretty easily electronically, I think that I, I would encourage folks to think very carefully, why do you have something in the safety deposit box? Is there a real reason that you can't have it in your home in a fireproof safe or lockbox? Those, those are kind of the questions I encourage folks who are listening today to think about.
0: In Arizona, at least, it just doesn't matter whether you have your original deed. If you have recorded it, then it's of record and the transfer has been affected. And you could, I'm not urging you to do this, but you could have a little bonfire and burn the deed. It just makes no, no difference whether you have it. So I would say it's not worth the expense, the monthly fee or annual fee, to have a, have it in the safe deposit box because it's not a big deal. It's not, it's not like you, you worry about misplacing it. it's not like somebody's gonna steal it and suddenly they own your house. Your car title, kind of the same thing. Uh, It's pretty easy to get a duplicate title if you misplace it and somebody holding your car title doesn't own the car. Um, Your birth certificate, your life insurance contract, that's the worst possible place to keep them. Put them someplace where you will remember, maybe get a bright orange or red folder, put it in a file drawer in your house and put all of the important papers in there. So um, I think really boils down to most people don't need a safe deposit box. And when they do it, it just complicates their, the, the demise the, the transfer of property. But let me, on the other hand, mention that years ago, maybe 20 years ago, Arizona changed its rules about opening safe deposit boxes. So it's no longer true that when you die, your safe deposit box gets locked and you can't get into it. I mean, you can't get into it because you died, but your heirs can't get into it. Your, your named trustee or uh, personal representative can't get into it. They can, in fact. They don't have to have them inventory. There doesn't have to be a tax release. Uh, it's relatively easier than it used to be to get into the box. Except that Somewhere in a drawer in your bedroom, you have a key that says 132 on it. And nobody knows where box 132 is. And there are two keys. So when we finally figure out where box 132 is, we're not going to be able to get your your original deposit back because we can't turn in both keys. And if you still have both keys, then who knows where to look for them, and who knows, uh, there's just no good reason.
1: And, and Robert, here's my last note to everybody listening. If you are somebody who is keeping something valuable, so I started our conversation today by talking about an old Rolex watch, it might be valuable from a monetary perspective, not just a sentimental perspective, but particularly for folks who are keeping jewelry in a safe deposit box. You know what? Why? If you're not using it and there's somebody who you love who would appreciate being able to, to wear some jewelry or have a gift, you know, let that stuff be enjoyed.
0: Here, here, And with that, I'm Robert Fleming. I've been chatting with Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. We are the partners in the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. We'd love it if you'd join us again next week for Elder Law Issues.